Welcome to episode 107 of the Ask a Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing which muscles are worked during Romanian deadlifts, healthy habits while traveling, and safe abs exercises during pregnancy. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 107. We just got back from sunny Florida. We are in Fort Lauderdale. It was beautiful. The weather was perfect. It's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. Kendrick did a really good job, actually, on the way there. On the way back, not oh, so much. It was not a so rough much. Flight. It was a little bit difficult. Well, we flew him back in hindsight, really silly, because we the flight was at what 415 and literally his fussiest time of day is from five to seven so it's yeah on like the ultimate worst time the ultimate fussy time yeah. yeah i think um moving forward i think what we're gonna do is try to do flights more towards the nighttime right yeah because that's when they turn off the lights and they make it really dark in there and that was the last night flight we had i think he was asleep for pretty much the whole time yeah that's true um but this one was bright out and like other kids in other aisles were like opening their like the, the shades and it was <laughs> yeah. just like oh my god <laughs> yeah it was a but, rough uh, flight but overall it was a great vacation yeah luckily i mean it was only three hours so we're yeah. able to occupy for the most part yeah even like like whatever bad mom moment i put on finding nemo at one point because i was like anything to <laughs> distract him so there were screens so i just like faced him toward the screen and of course because we don't give him any screen time right now he was like entranced by it <laughs> i didn't realize like i didn't think that at four months he would recognize or appreciate or understand what would be happening on a screen to even like like to even distract him with I, yeah. I i was like amazed that he actually was like entranced by it for a little while he was and then i was like okay i should turn him away <laughs> well he got fussy anyway, yeah that's so. true it didn't it didn't last long but it was it was a good five minutes where he yeah. was <laughs> distracted <laughs> all right cool well we are back on track for the podcast so we're pretty excited about that and we've got some really good questions for you today so the first one comes from the gym the gym starter and he said, was wondering if you could answer a question for me on the pod. It's about RDLs. I often see RDLs used as a glute builder, but every time I do them slash coach them, it's just a hamstring exercise. How can you move it to the glutes, or are the glutes only at work when you push through to the stand, or does it relate to the insertion point of the hamstring? Feel free to simplify the question. <laughs> um, but no, it's a great question. I think this is from Adam, right? Yeah. So, yeah, RDL, I mean, we categorize it, um, you know, Typically, as kind of more of a hamstring dominant exercise, but we just mainly categorize it as a hinging pattern, one that works the entire posterior chain. The reason why the glutes are a primary uh, muscle group in this uh, exercise is because when you go through the RDL, the glutes are going through a significant amount of hip flexion, and the glutes are responsible for hip extension. So, the more hip flexion that happens, the more on stretch they are, and the more likely they are to work on the way back up. So that's the reason why the, uh, the glutes are a big player in RDLs. However, having said that, you know, it's um, because the hamstrings are such like on stretch throughout the entirety of the movement, a lot of the times people don't even realize that their glutes are active in it. So it's, it can be a little bit difficult to feel how much they're involved. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely categorize it as an overall posterior chain builder and the glutes are definitely involved. Um, you know, one thing that we tend to see when people perform RDLs that can make it a little bit more hamstring dominant than we'd like is doing it with a pretty locked, almost straight knee or even straight knee if, if the flexibility allows for it. And when that happens, then you're really putting a lot of emphasis on the hamstrings, um, really mainly relying on passive flexibility of the hamstrings 
than even the actual like strength and stability of them, right? Yeah. Um, so that's something that we see quite often. So if you want to get glutes a little bit more involved, we'd recommend getting anywhere from like a 15 degree to 20 degree knee bend and having them push their knees slightly off to the sides as they hinge down. So you get a little bit of hip flexion, a little bit of hip external rotation, and then as they come up, those two uh, actions help to facilitate the movement on the way back up. Yeah. Yeah, basically any hinging pattern is going to incorporate the hamstrings and the glutes to some degree. Like both of them are going to have to come into play because they both are help are responsible for the hip extension. Yeah, exactly. But there's different degrees in which each one would, would play a part. And so in an RDL, because you're not shifting your weight back quite as far as you would in a normal deadlift or in like a kettlebell swing, an RDL is going to be a little more hamstring dominant because your hips aren't shifting back as much. I remember when I first learned kettlebell swings, everybody always talked about them as being like so good for your glutes, like, oh, such a good glute exercise. And I was always like, I don't know what anybody's talking about. All I feel is my hamstrings. <laughs> and then in hindsight, when I really learned more about the swing, I, I watched, Jason and I both uh, have videos of like our early kettlebell swings and we were barely bending our knees and barely yeah. shifting back at all. We were just basically doing like a fold in half <laughs> and stand <laughs> yeah. up. And so of course it was all hamstrings because we were just getting that stretch through the hamstrings. But once I learned how to actually sit my hips back further, it became a lot more like of this even distribution of glutes and hamstrings. Yeah, that's actually a, a really good point. So when you bend the knees a little bit more, it allows you to hip hinge much deeper than you could if your legs were almost straight. So right. bending the knees, it kind of unlocks it a little bit, allows you to hinge deeper, which again, encourages more hip flexion, which again, means that the glutes have more opportunity for hip extension on the way back forward. Yeah. So yeah, good question. Awesome. All right. Number two is from Joel underscore Mayok. 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 <laughs> uh, they said, question for the podcast. How do you two stay healthy while traveling? I find it hard to keep my nutrition and workouts on point while out of my normal environment. Do you have any advice? It's funny that like that, that question came on vacation. Well, actually, they might be following us on our personal account, so they may... Maybe they knew we were on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, really good question. And I think we should, we'll preface, preface it with, we don't, um, we don't stick to our exact routine when we're on vacation. No. Um, like even close. <laughs> we could um, talk about, you know, we could talk about Hawaii where yeah. if we were, if basically what we did this past week was kind of like disregard most Yeah, I mean, we worked, we each went to the gym once <laughs> um, in in five days and yeah. we had a couple salads, but... <laughs> yeah, but like really any trip that's three to five days long, we're kind of like, you know, we're on relative, we're on vacation, so we're, we're going to be a little bit uh, looser with our general um, scheme of things. Yeah. Um, but for when we were in Hawaii, when we were gone for two weeks, we we're like, okay, we can't do this for two weeks because that would be a little bit, um, it would be tougher on the way back when we, when we came back, but... Um, well, we had and, some strategies in place. Yeah, and also just like when it's that long of a period of time, like when fitness and nutrition is important to you, like you have to start to feel really crappy That's if true. you actually yeah. don't do anything and you start eating like really poorly and all that stuff. So I think that part of it is just like having some strategies in place to just because you know that you're going to eventually just feel kind of kind of gross and crappy or whatever, just not like being in your routine. So yeah, yeah when we... so. We, so for like a two week or a week even to two week vacation, we usually have a few strategies. Um, we usually find a either just a gym that we can walk into or we will find CrossFits a lot of the time because yeah. CrossFits are usually very welcoming to um, out, drop -ins. outside yeah, drop-ins. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we've done both of those things. In Hawaii, we did two CrossFits and then mm -hmm. otherwise we just did either hotel gyms or um, found like a, a bigger like big box conventional gym. Yeah. Um, and typically we try to do like three workouts a week. 
Mm-hmm. If yep. we if we can, I think that's about what we did. Yeah, and we typically make it like pretty like make it so that it's it's easy to get in and out. So typically our our like travel workouts tend to be anywhere from like thirty five to forty five yeah. quite five minutes long because you know like when we're in Hawaii we we didn't want to spend you know an hour and a half at the gym <laughs> inside we wanted to be outside as much as possible so. Um, we made sure that the workouts were kind of like quick and easy and uh, just made sure that we can kind of go through them really quickly. Yeah. Another thing is that if you're in a va- on a vacation where it's like beautiful scenery or there's stuff to do outside, obviously trying to just do as much outside as possible. So we did mm-hmm. like a kayaking day. We did a lot of hiking. Like all of that is still a workout. It's different from what you're used to doing. And we still wanted to get into the gym because we like to strength train and that's important to us. Yeah. Um, but also just finding opportunities to do things that are unique to the place that you're in. And that kind of leads me to the nutrition point as well, mm-hmm. um, which we decided that for nutrition, we're going to like, quote unquote, splurge. I hate to say like splurge or or cheat or anything like that because anything any food is fine at any time like nothing's cheating but basically what we decided is when we wanted to have a treat it was going to be something that was like local to the place that we were in Mm -hmm. or like special to that place so for in hawaii for instance like shave ice was one of the things that's like you know you don't really get it anywhere else and it's it has sweetened condensed milk in it and it's i mean it's like full of sugar and all this (laughs) stuff but it was we couldn't get it anywhere else and like if we were going to look back and be like, oh, we didn't have shave ice because we were trying to follow a diet. Yeah. Like, that's so lame. Like totally. we wanted to experience that because it's the one place in the world where we could experience it. And I think that that is what's really important. Like if we're going to go to Italy, we're not going to not eat pasta. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just, you, you want to do that because it's part of traveling. It's part of the experience. And so instead what we would do is like at breakfast, for instance, there was nothing special about a Hawaiian breakfast mm-hmm. necessarily. So we would just do our normal routine. We'd have eggs. We'd have an omelet at the hotel. Um, and we'd have, you know, or we'd have like a smoothie somewhere or something like yeah. that. So we didn't have like waffles because we could have waffles at home. <laughs> like yeah. it's not special. <laughs> um, and so I think that really helped us to hone in on where we were going to quote unquote splurge or go off of our typical nutrition. Yeah. And I think in general, people have a little bit less sort of like willpower, right? At the, towards the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, so something that we also did was breakfast and lunch were pretty like, you know, healthy, quote unquote. So we would have like what Lauren just talked about, like an omelet, build your own omelet situation. And for lunch, we'd have more of a salad. And then dinner was when we would try to eat something that was a little more localized to that area. Um, and also, you know, have a drink or two and stuff like that. So um, yeah, we had those like, it was, was it like those cocktails in the pineapples and the coconuts oh, yeah, and all like that? Oh yeah, like yeah. Just like, like yeah. yeah. So we, we were pretty like, we were pretty relaxed um, for dinner, but we tried to set the stage with an early morning workout breakfast and lunch were really on point and then you know dinner like you know we want to re- relax and enjoy ourselves as well so that's kind of a you know a couple strategies there yeah and you're gonna hear like you'll if you ask this question to different fitness professionals you'd hear all different things you'd hear totally. some people who are like here's my strategy for how to stay on a perfect diet when you go on vacation and we could probably tell you that but that's not what we do and so we would feel really weird telling you that because yeah that's not what we do and it's just not what's important to us I guess is like Or it is very important to us, but when we are on vacation, we are very um, on the same page about wanting to also enjoy indulging in certain things that we wouldn't do otherwise. And we just, to us, that's, that's important. That's more important than sticking to a perfect nutrition routine because we actually want to have certain experiences that because we're so like 
in a routine of going to the gym and eating healthy on a day-to-day basis, these things that we do on vacation, they're not going to throw anything off, right? Yeah, it's like, like, yeah. It's like that quote where it's like, it doesn't really matter quite as much what you eat between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's more about what you eat between Christmas and Thanksgiving, right? right? right. Or what you do uh, between those two times. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just understanding that you don't have to be like this crazy strict person uh, when you're traveling and that it's going to be such a burden while you're going to be away. And like, how do you pack all your meals and all that? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just not really sustainable or reasonable. And just knowing that if, as long as you go back to your normal routine after the break, like you're, you're going to go back into a point of maintaining what you were maintaining previously. Right. 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 It's not like a week or even two weeks of vacation. Like even if you ate, you know, way out of your routine for every meal, it's still really not going to make that big of a difference if you come home and just go right back in your routine. Yeah. It's just not going to notice a difference. Yeah. It's just like, like dieting or eating clean for two weeks isn't going to overhaul everything as well. So it kind of goes the, uh, the other way as well. So I think just mentally knowing that even if you gain some weight over the over the um, you know over the time that you're traveling and you don't feel quite as good, just understanding that just by going back to your normal routine, you're gonna start to feel the way you did pre-vacation pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to mention is that some people travel for work, and that's very different. That's um, true. So this we were, we took this question because we were just on vacation as a how do you stay fit. And healthy on vacation yeah but if you're traveling for work it's definitely different mm-hmm. um especially if you do it like every week yeah <laughs> because then that is your lifestyle so in that case you would have to be a little bit more you probably have to have a little bit more of like a strict routine if you want to stay consistent and so like i mean airplanes and airports are really it's so easy to just grab snacks from on the plane like just mm-hmm. grab cookies or grab easy like finger foods and stuff like that and so i would say if you're somebody who's always traveling thinking about packing foods that are like non-perishables like fruit and things that you can eat on the plane that you bring yourself as opposed to buying stuff at the Hudson News stand yeah like that would be a good strategy if you're constantly eating in hotels like just choosing meals that kind of fit within certain parameters so when I'm looking at a menu I'm just looking for a meal that has a protein source a vegetable source and some sort of like good carbohydrate like a helpful carb like either potato or um, rice or quinoa something like that mm-hmm. um, and basing my meals off of that and sort of like an even ratio of the three as opposed to a meal that is like pasta with a couple peas on it yeah <laughs> right so just kind of having some parameters to work around so that even though you're not at home cooking your own meals you can still pick and choose um, restaurant meals or hotel meals that that fit within those parameters that you usually set yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh, i mean if if we're traveling uh, that's a good point of just like how we generally take a look at a menu it's it's definitely protein first right or yeah. like, okay you know i'm gonna have a fish or i'm gonna have a piece of steak or chicken or whatever and then from there we look into what kind of vegetable sources thereafter and then finally going off with a quote-unquote healthier carb option um to round out the meal but uh yeah if we were gone for like many many weeks out of the year we would probably look for places that had kitchens in the hotel room itself right so we tried to do whatever we could to stay in our normal routine as much as possible um and try to match our routine to uh like our travel schedules rather than trying to modify otherwise yeah Yeah. right and then if you're traveling for work i would say if you're staying in a hotel early morning hotel gym workout is going to be the best way to go because Mm -hmm. usually traveling for work incorporates some form of like 
socializing at night. Yep. Um, so trying to save the gym for after work is usually not going to happen. <laughs> That's what we've definitely learned. And so trying to get it in before your day starts. Um, what's really great about hotel gyms is that you just walk downstairs and go, you don't yeah. even have to get outside. So that's actually super convenient. And usually they don't have the greatest equipment, but they usually, they've gotten a lot better over the years. They yeah, usually totally. have dumbbells. Like they usually better, have actually. cable machines. Um, so you don't only have like a treadmill as an option. You usually have some weights to go. Lauren had a great pull-up bar option this, this past uh, travel. <laughs> Oh my God. I wish maybe I should, it was on my stories before. Maybe I'll put it on the achieve stories. Um, but yeah, there was a pull-up bar. I, we, we each went and did a workout at the hotel gym, um, in Florida when we were just there and I went to go do pull-ups cause it's in my program. And I jumped up to the pull-up bar only to find out that it was like literally an inch away from the ceiling. And so <laughs> when I did a pull-up, my head hit the ceiling like at 90 degrees in my arms. So it wasn't even close. I was like, darn it. So I just did half pull-ups. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I'll, I'll show you a picture on, on our stories. Yeah. I think the uh, the early morning workout is pretty key though. Cause what we did, uh, I mean, we were traveling with friends and we had Kendrick obviously. So yeah. our times and options are really limited, but if we can wake up a little bit earlier than we typically would on a vacation um, day, so we ended up waking up at, I think, around like six or so. I went first. I went for like about 45 minutes, and then Lauren did the same thing. We handed off Kendrick, and I think uh, uh, both of our friends were still sleeping at yeah, the time. Yeah, we did it all so. before the, everybody woke up. Yeah. So, yeah. It really just sets the stage for the day, too, to have a workout in the morning, eat a healthy breakfast, and then it's just you're just in that kind of like quote-unquote healthy mindset. Um, and then uh, towards the end of the day, you can kind of be a little bit more relaxed with things when you are in kind of more of a vacation mode, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Cool. cool. So hopefully that answered it from two different perspectives. Yeah. All right. And then our third question is from Orchard Merkel. Should we pause for a second? We should probably pause. All right. For a we're going to pause for a second. Kendrick uh, just woke up from his nap really early too. It's only 17 minutes in, but <laughs> all right. BRB. All right. So we definitely thought that Kendrick would, would go right back down, but he's currently with us. So you might hear some little coos and, and ahs and all that. Sort yeah. Of, hopefully just like cute, just, just cute, cute noises. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, which it actually leads us perfectly into the next question. And they said, I'm looking through Lauren's pregnancy posts and trying to find information about abdominal exercises during pregnancy. I always avoided directly working on abs during pregnancy because I thought this would encourage diastasis recti or are there some that are okay and others that cause strain crunches. Okay. Planks not. Thank you for your help. Cool. So this is a great question, um, and definitely I think there's a lot of confusing mixed information out there. So I'll um, I'll tell you my thoughts and and what I've learned from my research. So basically, diastasis is the separation of your abdominal wall. It's actually like the stretching of the linea alba, which is the connective tissue between the right side and the left side of your abdominal wall. So your rectus abdominis is kind of like your six pack abs um, that are out in the front, and those have to separate basically to make room for the baby to grow. Um, and so when that is happening, um, that's considered diastasis. So pretty much everybody has it at some point. Um, what happens though is that after the baby is born, for some women it remains very separated or the, the connective tissue remains very um, stretched and it's hard for it to come back together. And that can be, it can't be necessarily prevented, but there are definitely some exercises that you can avoid in order to help to um, make it a little bit easier for you to come back afterwards. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, so like she said, um, well, she mentioned crunches and she said, are crunches okay? Um, crunches are probably the worst thing you can do 
during pregnancy or even postpartum, um, especially if you do have some sort of diastasis. So crunching that crunching motion when you curl up, you'll see if you have a separation, you'll actually see this sort of like doming or coning um, thing happen with your abdomen. Basically, you like it's exactly how it sounds. <laughs> it like <laughs> becomes kind of like a triangle when you crunch. Um, and it was pretty crazy that, that time, I think we were out, outside on the deck and the time you sat up, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it was like <laughs> the first time I had seen it and I just sat up from, I was laying back in a chair and I sat up and I was like, oh, I've heard of this before and I never <laughs> understood what it looked like and here it is. Like it's very clear when it is happening. Um, and so you want to, the more that that happens, that is going to contribute to further um like furthering your separation. separation. Yeah. So you want to avoid that happening, that coning or that doming. So crunches, sit-ups, um, hollow body positions, mm -hmm. pull-ups are really another, even though they're not quote-unquote an ab exercise, you really use your abs during pull-ups in sort of that hollow position and you'll probably see some coning or doming there as well. Um, and then planks are another place where for planks are... Um, very person dependent. Yeah. So crunches, I would say pretty much are out for most people. I would say avoid them just because they're not, the benefit really doesn't outweigh the, the potential risk there. Yeah. Um, for planks, it's really person to person. So for me, I actually never felt any straining, um, or any doming or coning during a, just a standard plank. I did do, I was doing some, um, body saws, which are like planks, but you have your toes on sliders and you push yourself back and pull back forward that I definitely felt a little bit of straining. So I stopped yeah. that. Um, so I didn't do any like advanced plank variations, but just a regular plank for me felt totally fine. I've had other women who at like 22, 23 weeks, they're already feeling a little bit of kind of just like external pressure um on their abs and I just have them stop planking at that point mm -hmm. so it really does depend on the person but again with planks if you're if you have a separation and you have and you're pregnant the baby the weight of the baby when you're in a plank is now being pulled down by gravity and then going to probably exacerbate that separation so yeah. you don't really it's just like why let gravity help <laughs> pretty much right so yeah. it's again something that maybe the the risk doesn't outweigh the reward there mm -hmm. either. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is just how much variability there is between person to person, right? So like just much, what you yeah. mentioned, like, you know, some people are totally fine with pull-ups all the way up until the end. And some people like we take it out really quickly because they notice that it strains them a little bit. So I think, I think the two big things are the, um, what you talk about gravity, obviously number one. So like planks and like being in that sort push of push-up position. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, or anything where it kind of like, is where your core is tensing and then stretching on top of it. So a valve-slide body saw would be one, like mm -hmm. a pull-up would be one where you're stabilizing, but towards the bottom, you're really stretching out that sort of like front line as well. Mm -hmm. um, so those sorts of variations tend to be the ones that trigger, but it's like so case dependent. Right. So another, so let's talk about some things that you can do. Yeah. Um, well, actually I'll talk about one other thing. So this doesn't have to do with um, diastasis, but it actually has to do with um, lying on your back, which is something completely different, but a lot of core exercises are from a lying on your back position, right? A lot mm -hmm. of ab, traditional ab exercises. And 
lying on your back is another thing that they say not to do after the second mm. trimester. And that is also person-to-person -person case dependent, but basically there is a vein um, that can be compressed by the weight of the baby if the baby is sitting in a specific spot, mm. where if you're lying on your back, the baby can compress that vein, and you'll feel it immediately. So if that is happening, you're going to be get some shortness of breath. You might get lightheaded. If that's the case, you're somebody who should not be doing exercises from your back necessarily. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of women, it's they actually don't feel that at all. And you can do exercises for... We st I still wouldn't recommend doing anything flat on your back for longer than 60 seconds, but you can do a quick set of something on your back. So yeah. for me, the main core exercise I did was a marching exercise. So lying on my back with my hands down by my sides or my hands pushing against a wall behind me and marching my feet. We, we post a lot of supine marching on our Instagram yeah. um, channel, so you can probably find it there. Or I think we have a YouTube video on it as well. We do, yeah. Um, so that, that exercise is great because you're keeping your body in alignment. You're not crunching. You're not hollowing, anything like that. You're just keeping your rib cage aligned over your pelvis. And it's actually really good for helping to just maintain the awareness of where your rib cage is in space. Because something that happens during pregnancy is we tend to, because the weight of the baby is out in front of you, we tend, whoops, Kendrick lost his pacifier. We tend to um, let our rib cage kind of flare and our back arch. And when that happens, we tend to get some lower back pain um, and that can contribute to a lot of other things, uh, issues down the road. And so we do still want to have, I think about ab work during pregnancy more as awareness than like mm. working your abs. Like yeah. it's not that necessary to work, quote unquote, work your abs during pregnancy. You want them to be like, you want to be able to stabilize. You want to be able to push when it comes to <laughs> delivering the baby like you have to have some strength but a lot of it has to do with just being aware of where your rib cage and your pelvis are in space and using core exercises that help you build that awareness yeah so i like marching for that reason i also like farmers carries for that reason um so having like two heavy weights just one in each hand and walking and being aware as you're walking of keeping your rib cage stacked right over your your pelvis so that everything's nice and um like a cylinder basically yeah um, other things I like are like a anti, anti-rotation presses with a, um, cable machine. So often called a Paloff press. You can look that up. Um, those are really great as well. Um, yeah, really, exercises? yeah, really anything where you are, like you said, just challenging your alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, so keeping your spine in a relatively neutral position, um, not letting gravity assist you down. So like a plank and then basically just holding that position while your extremities move. So that's why marching is so great. That's why the anti-rotation slash pal-off press is great. There's all great options where it challenges your alignment, but not in a way where gravity can contribute to that sort of separation and also something that causes doming either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I think that pretty much answers it. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to fully, you don't have to fully take out core exercises, but you definitely do want to be smart about the ones you choose. And hopefully that gives you some options there. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I believe those are all of our answers to your burning questions. Sorry about some of the, uh, the fussy sounds that you might have heard during that segment. But if you're listening and interested in that segment, then you probably understand a little bit about either having a kid or wanting one in the future. Um, anyway, so yes, thank you for your questions. Thank you for... This is perfect timing. <laughs> um, thank you for submitting them. If you have questions of your own, you can send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we would be super, super grateful for that. And until next time, Peace. love and, and muscles. muscles.